Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now the current times are so difficult on our people and our communities, so we had to bring you a special episode this week that's all about mental health. So much to get into, but we're gonna start off specifically talking about our celebrities and mental health because they get poked and prodded every day on social media. Now if we're gonna talk about mental health in our community, we have to bring in a name that has become synonymous with the very top. Welcome to the show, Charlemagne. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now, the current times are so difficult on our people and our communities, so we had to bring you a special episode this week that's all about mental health. So much to get into, but we're going to start off specifically talking about our celebrities and mental health because they get poked and prodded every day on social media. Now, if we're going to talk about mental health in our community, we have to bring in a name that has become synonymous with the very topic. Welcome to the show, Charlemagne. All right, Brother Charlemagne, again, your name is synonymous with all things black folk and mental health. You wrote a whole book here, Shook One, and I so appreciate and love you for it because it does the very important work of destigmatizing black folks and going to see therapy. Uh, can you talk a bit about what led you to therapy and when you first realized you wanted to seek treatment? A number of things. To be honest with you, I just didn't want to go crazy. You know, um, mm. because my whole life I had been dealing with anxiety and, you know, having panic attacks, didn't really have the language for it, didn't know what it was. And then about 10 years ago, um, you know, like on a, on a, and I say routine, on a routine visit to, to the doctor, you know, thinking something is wrong with my heart, you know, thinking I'm, I'm having a heart attack, like I'm having heart palpitations, like something has to be wrong with my heart this time. You know, the doctor finally said to me, like, do you, do you suffer from anxiety? And I was like, anxiety. And he was like, you know, yeah, it sounds like you're having panic attacks. And I was like, oh. And then he asked me, was I stressed out about anything? And, you know, at the time I had been fired for the fourth time from radio. I was 31, 32 years old, back living at home with my mom. My daughter was like two years old. My my, my wife was back home living with her mom in Mons Corner, South Carolina. So, yeah, I was stressed out. I was collecting unemployment you checks. You had a couple of things. Yeah, you had a couple of things to be stressed out about. Yeah, it was quite a few things to be stressed out about. So when, when he said that to me, in my mind, I just felt like, okay, all I got to do is get back in position and everything will be okay. And then, you know, you get in position, you actually get put in the best position you've ever been in in your life, you know, which is all the success I've had with the Breakfast Club and everything else. Yeah. But, you know, you still have those feelings and you're still having those panic attacks and you're still having to go to the hospital. And now you couple that with, you know, the lifestyle, being out all night, getting up early in the morning, you know, drinking, smoking, you know, I remember one time I passed out on the studio floor, dehydrated and had to go to the hospital. So I just had to make some real lifestyle changes. So I want to ask you, you talk about the ascension. At some point, things started going very, very well for you. All the success on The Breakfast Club, um, your first book, making New York Times bestseller list, your second book doing extremely well. Can you talk a little bit about how when the, the fame, the, the star shines so bright and then that has the scrutiny on top of it, how that impacts you and how it impacts, you know, your celebrity friends and people, you know. Because because it's, you can't really protect your peace, you know. Like 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 when, when are you alone? Like when a, when a, when a, when when is everything ever completely shut off? And it's very hard not to do this, right? It's very hard not to get on your phone, not to get on your computer, and see what people are saying about you, you know. And, and it's right. just like you'll see so many things that you feel like you have to constantly defend. But then you see things like I don't want you. You say okay, I don't want to give that too much energy. Energy. You know, I, I want to ignore it, but ignoring something doesn't make it go away. 
you know? So you really have to come to a point where you just realize, man, you know, the way other people feel about you is not the way that you should feel about yourself. And if you really don't quite know who you are, because if we're being totally honest with ourselves, we're constantly changing. Like to me at 42, isn't so. the same me. Yeah, to me at 42, isn't the I same me so. at 32. To me at 32, wasn't the same at 22. So I'm always a different version of my myself, right? I'm always somebody yeah. new. And it's like when you're when you're going through that process in real time with people and you're just trying to constantly figure yourself out, but then there's somebody else, always another entity saying, no, you're this and you can't tell me otherwise. Sometimes you do buy into that. Sometimes you do believe it. And that, yeah. that alone can drive you crazy. I want to talk to you about Kanye, Charlemagne, because you've, you've known Kanye West for years. You've interviewed him many times. Also know that you, of course, have a personal relationship with the brother. A, I want to ask you, what do you think about the way that inside of the black community we deal with Kanye? Um, do you think we talk about his mental? Because I'll tell you how I felt. When I saw mm -hmm. the announcement for the presidency, when I saw some clips from the first rally in South Carolina recently, my first instinct was I didn't even want to speak on it because my instinct says this man is it has come out publicly and spoken about the fact that he is bipolar. He suffers from mental health disorder. He struggles with consistently taking his medication. So it just felt out of bounds for me that we're even speaking on Kanye in this way. But maybe I'm wrong. So I want to know for you, Charlemagne, how do you expect, what do you recommend the community, the culture's reaction to Kanye to be in light of what we clearly see to be some kind of mental health challenge? I mean, me and Kanye do talk. We talk on a, a, a personal level mm -hmm. often. And I'll, I'll never dismiss anybody's, you know, mental health issues, you know, because you, you just don't know. But I, I do I do question why a lot of these things always happen when you're about to put out an album. You know, his album's coming out on... I was coming out on July 24th and when, he, and when he first announced that he was running for president, I was more mad at the media because I was like, why are we even giving this any energy? He tweeted that he's running for president. He hasn't taken any real steps to, to actually yeah. register with the FEC. It's not like it's a real thing. So why do we care so much? Do we so quick to say? Because it oh, rains. Because it rates, Charlemagne. Exactly. You know why? people? Exactly. It's, it's thirsty. It rains. Yes. It's the same and reason. Like That's why we got Trump in the White House now. Yeah. Yes. And we like to say that about Kanye. We like, like oh, Kanye is seeking headlines. He wants publicity. Well, so do we, clearly. Yeah. If we're reporting yeah. that's not even real. So, you know, and I said about Harriet Tubman and all that. And then he literally changed the headlines the very next day by tweeting about his personal problems with his with his wife and his marriage. And that changed the narrative of everything. And then he goes, now I'm focusing back on the music. Because it's a part of me that feels like that's what he wants us to focus on. No, I've, I've, I've been in the mind, Charlemagne, that, that Kanye's struggled since his mom passed you know to me it was very evident um but anyway i hear you i think we are hypocrites when it comes to it because we do not consistently and i think that's what you're getting at right the consistency of when we take his mental health seriously and when we don't and we just say his antics and he's crazy and he's canceled it's not consistent and we need to work on that as a community we need to be consistent i do want to talk about your interview with amanda seals uh, i thought it was fantastic it's what what i love about your relationship with amanda charlemagne is it's very clear that y'all's connection is, is personal beyond what we see here on radio and TV, right? Like that's your sister. Um, that's, you know, you're her brother. You guys speak to that. And it shows when you guys are off air, kind of what's your counsel to Amanda in terms of um, how she can protect her peace. And I'm sure she counsels you, as you said, as well. Like what are those conversations like? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, the counsel is really just 
us leaning on each other. You know, those those mm-hmm. those two hour, three hour phone conversations is literally just us venting. I mean, everything from, you know, relationships to just professional life to just waking yeah. up one morning and, and, and not feeling your best. Like I, I, I hit Amanda Saturday just to tell her, like, man, I feel so at peace today. I feel so mm-hmm. light today. Like Nothing feels heavy. Heavy. And like. And, and those are, those are the check-ins you got to do as well. Like the check-ins aren't always negative. The check-ins are just like, yo, I, I'm I'm in a good yeah. space today. How how are you, sis? And 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 vice yeah, versa. But sure. yeah, it's just it's just constant it's just constant uh propping propping each other up, you know, and letting letting yeah. each other know that we're loved, valued, and appreciated. You know that 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 goes far. Yeah. Before I let you go, you. three things. Three things. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me three things that you do to protect your peace. I know one of them is, isn't it true that when you're on vacation, you don't look at your phone at all? Not at all. Turn it all the way off. Throw it, throw it at the bottom of my wife's purse or the suitcase and don't even don't even touch it. Like, don't go near it for, for, for two weeks at a time. And man, you'll be surprised right. what kind of reset that does for your for your brain. And one thing I loved that you talked about in your book that you do is in the, cause you wake up at what, three, three, four in the morning, something crazy. Before you mm-hmm. even look at your phone though, there's a couple of other things that you do. What do you do before you even engage in social? I pray. And then I have mm-hmm. uh, three daily affirmation books that I read out of. Um, one is your, 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 your best life by Joel Osteen. The other is the daily stoic by Ryan holiday. And I have a book called Black Pearls, which is like a book of African-American uh, affirmation. And I've, and I've also added um, a, a Bishop T.D. Jakes book called Instinct to that as well. And so it's just like these these little verses and chapters. And it's like two pages long of just how you should just always follow your instincts and follow that inner guide that, that, that exists within you. So I, I read that. I read that throughout the day often, all the time. As always, Brother Charlemagne, I appreciate you and all that you do for advocating for mental health. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got your headlines. But first, a word. This is like a sprained brain, like having a sprained ankle. And if someone has a sprained ankle, you're not going to push on him more. Right. With us, once our brain gets to a point of spraining, People do everything to make it worse. So you've started a new initiative called hashtag liberate mental health. We have to take care of ourselves and our minds. And also in order to take care of our minds, we have to fight for freedom. Like we go hand in hand. Because it's easy to feel hopeless because of all of the, we're inundated with this bad news um, and oppression and trauma. And, um, And being a part of the solution gives us hope, right? This is a national crisis. Sorry. My dad is one of the reasons I started this foundation. And my son, and my neighbor, and my friends, my community, our children is why I keep going. The struggle is real. The history of mental illness for black people in America stretches all the way back 400 years. 15 million people in an ocean that holds the stories. That's a lot of healing to do. When I wasn't at work, it was a nightmare. Got it. You know, I'm just trying to keep it together because Kid Cudi, everybody's like hero and this person that you look up to. So I didn't want to let anybody down, you know? 
to find my footing, I chose to use drugs. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I really went out my way to keep what I was going through hidden because mm -hmm. I was ashamed. Have faith that on the other side of your pain is something good. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Here are today's headlines. Now, for the first time since COVID-19 arrived in the U.S. almost six months ago, President Trump has found his own way to voice support for wearing a face mask. Now, he says, we are united in our effort to defeat the invisible China virus. And many people say it's patriotic to wear a face mask. Trump went on to say this, there is no one more patriotic than me. On the heels of President Trump's announcement to deploy federal agents to Chicago, Kansas City, and Albuquerque, more problems with those very federal agents ensued this morning in Portland. Now, there's reports of riots, protesters being tear gassed, and even the mayor, Ted Wheeler, was met with tear gas. Set to premiere on August 4th, a trailer for Saturday Night Live writer Sam Jay's comedy special entitled Sam Jay, Three in the Morning, just dropped. Let's take a look. I travel everywhere with my girl, which is stupid. <laughs> it started with the packing. Everything was going good. We was packing, she was packing, I was packing. But then she started packing a third bag. And that really confused me because she only has two arms. So I was like, how are you packing three bags with two arms, baby girl? You don't got enough arms for the bags you packing. Who's supposed to be in charge of these bags? Now, even with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell trying to unveil a second stimulus bill that will cost a whopping $1 trillion, the GOP remains divided on the issue. Let's listen. And this majority is preparing legislation that will send $105 billion so that educators have the resources they need to safely reopen. With the majority of businesses expected to exhaust their initial paycheck protection funding this summer, We'll also be proposing a targeted second round of the PPP with a special eye toward hard-hit businesses. And with more on legislation to include stimulus relief, we're going to hear from Ms. Tina Lawson and Leah Chapman. And both have been active with the HEROES Act. Let's watch. Hi, I'm Tina Knowles Lawson, and I'm here to talk about the HEROES Act. Well, I've been talking to anyone who would listen about the absentee voting and how important it is to vote. Um, just trying to connect the dots for people because as a people, we are so disenfranchised for so long and we have not had a voice. So we don't really believe in the black community or the Hispanic community that our vote counts. My name is Lee Chapman. So the HEROES Act is a $3 trillion package that was actually passed by the U.S. House of Representatives in May. It's currently in the Senate, and the Senate is now underway with negotiations on the next stimulus package. The essential part about HEROES that we're advocating for today is the $3.6 billion in election funding that states need right now to address the COVID-19 pandemic. I would encourage anyone who um, cares about protecting our democracy and ending voter suppression in our country to go to andstillivote.org to sign up for our campaign. 
Through that website, you can send an email to your senator to pass the HEROES Act um, to make sure that we have safe and accessible elections this year. And you can also fill out a form that will directly dial your senator and it will have a call script um, with everything you need to say to say that we need to have safe and accessible elections this year. Civil rights leader Reverend C.T. Vivian passed away last week at the age of 95. Reverend Vivian was an early advisor and friend to Dr. Martin Luther King. And in 2013, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. Today was his funeral service, which Revolt did air. So let's take a look. Brothers and sisters, have we not worshiped the Lord and celebrated the life of this great man, the Reverend Dr. C.T. Vivian? To all of the many leaders who are here, to all of the many family members who are here in the sanctuary, and to all of our brothers and sisters all across the world who are worshiping with us, we are so grateful and so thankful. Sadly, we have yet another heartbreaking loss to address in the black community with the passing of the Honorable John Lewis. Now from his civil rights work with the Freedom Riders to the March in Selma, to his over 40 arrests, and then there was his keynote speech at the 1963 March on Washington. Listen, all of that makes his over three decades of serving Georgia's fifth congressional district seem just like a mere footnote on this great man's resume. Now, no words can justify the great work he's done, but we will try to pick up where Mr. Lewis left off by getting into good trouble with the good activism of today. So let's hear from some of those continuing to get into that good trouble. My goal for the rest of my life is to continue to do what I can to bring about and to create a world community at peace with itself. We march today for jobs and freedom, but we have nothing to be proud of. Of hundreds and thousands of our brothers are not here, but they're receiving starvation wages or no wages at all. Congressman John Lewis uh, was a role model for me for virtually my entire adult life, ever since I've known of civil rights and human rights. I've also looked at him because he never stopped growing, never stopped finding new people to fight for, new causes to take on, never stopped finding new ways to be intersectional. The time will come when we will not confine our march into Washington. We will march through the South, through the streets of Jackson, through the streets of Danville, through the streets of Cambridge, through the streets of Birmingham. He has been fighting literally since he was a teenager and lived all the way to 80 years old. And he was fighting for black lives, fighting against police brutality this year in 2020. John Lewis's work let me know that you are never too old or too young to make change. If he can go from being the youngest person to speak at the March on Washington next to Dr. Martin Luther King and then turn around and still be arrested for protesting at the age of 70, that lets me know that no person at any age has any valid excuse not to do something towards the liberation of our people. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. John Lewis is a hard loss for us here in Georgia. He's meant so much to us, so much to the 5th District here, so much to the world. I'll never forget in 2014, I was at a march for Mike Brown 
and it started to pour down on us. And I looked to the right and there he was, John Lewis, right next to me, walking in the rain. So I'm gonna keep walking through whatever storm in honor of him. We must say, wake up America, wake up, for we cannot stop and we will not and cannot be patient. My big idea is to leave this world, to leave this little piece of real estate, to leave this little planet a little greener, and something. a little cleaner, and a little more peaceful for generation yet unborn. That is my big idea. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Revolt Black News. This is Selena Hill here. And my guest at this time is former NFL player Junior Gallette. Welcome to the show, Junior. Thank you for, uh, for having me, Selena. Uh, I wanted to correct you and say current free agent and not former NFL player because I'm still fighting to, you know, get signed and, and uh, you know, chasing my dreams here. Thank you, Junior, for uh, correcting me. Words have meaning, and I'm glad yeah. that you are controlling that narrative. Before we get into that, I actually want to ask you about something that happened in 2017. Now, we know that Black Lives Matter has been uh, resurged across the globe because of George Floyd. His last words, I can't breathe. You had a similar incident in 2017. Thankfully, you survived where you told a white officer, I can't breathe. Take us back to what happened. It was Black Beach Weekend in Biloxi, Mississippi, and, you know, a fight broke out outside of a concert, and I did my best to get away, and now there's a cop chasing me, had no idea, the cop's chasing me, and I end up getting tased, and I'll never forget when he stood up over me after basically pinning me down and putting me in handcuffs behind my back as I was telling him, like, hey, I can't breathe, and he proceeded to mock me and say, you're talking, aren't you? Junior, that is traumatizing. Talk to us about how the NFL viewed you after that incident. And did anything change? Well, for me, I was actually, uh, you know, for the court of public opinion, it just looked like, well, Junior Gallette arrested and tased. But they don't go into details of what happened in that case where, you know, it was basically, you know, dismissed. You know, black men in America are seven times more likely to face police interaction. And there's the league, the NFL, is made up about 70% black men. They said any further interaction would with any you know police officer will result in you know disciplinary action. That makes no sense. How am I supposed to avoid the police when I'm seven times more likely to run into interaction than my count my white counterpart? That's why it's unfair. What do you think needs to be done structurally within the NFL? so that you know when if incidents happen again there's some type of empathy and understanding do you think do you think something can change well, to bring that about definitely, definitely can change you look at america as a whole we've changed we've making progress we're definitely not there yet but we're taking we're taking strides and what i want to say is that the change starts within because you have 70 percent of the players are black but management that's not the case and i want to be able to you know, close that bridge or that gap between player and coaching because a player like myself, I would love to coach, but I, I don't even want to dream about what I'm going to go through as far as potentially getting blackballed because I was blackballed as a player. 
And uh, I was blackballed in 2018 for speaking out on pay discrimination because of my white teammate, Trent Murphy, a white guy from Stanford who had a torn ACL. That means he didn't even play the season. Uh, also was suspended for four games for PEDs. And every day throughout the season, that's how it was. I, I, I showed up every single day. I was I played all 16 games and I never showed up on the injury report and I haven't played it down since I've been voicing, uh, you know, what I feel like I'm definitely blackballed. So it's clear that you still want to play. Do you yes. think that what makes this time different? You have been talking about this for the last two years. You feel unheard. What makes this time different? This time is completely different because I feel like voices are starting to be heard. And I feel like the team that I was previously employed for, uh, Washington Redskins, or formerly known as Washington Redskins, is under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of stuff with the name itself, the Redskins, the offensive name that the owner, Daniel Snyder, has basically refused to change and be progressive and make an impact on the structure of just the NFL and respecting the Native Americans who feel offended by that name. So I'm glad that you mentioned the Redskins. How do you feel about the name change? Well, we don't know what it is yet. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't have any negative connotation to it. But, you know, obviously I feel the same way as the, anyone else who feels offended. You know, Redskin, you wouldn't, you know, just imagine it feels black skin. It just, it's just too close. And we're in a social climate now that you have to listen to the people because that's who matter. What do you want the NFL and fans and the public to know now? And do you think we'll see you back in the league? I want them to know that Junior Gallette is still in the best shape of his life and can contribute to any team right now, especially in the middle of this pandemic where practically we didn't have any offseason. So a lot of the younger guys who are coming in just really don't understand what's going on. So you actually, the stock for veterans is at an all-time high right now, and I still can't get a call because I spoke out against pay discrimination. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Junior, and good luck to you on your mission. Thank you for having me. I, I'm sorry I got so passionate and started sweating, but I've been going through this for two years, and just finally I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that people are starting to listen and see, like, wow, Washington, there's some – crazy stuff going on in there. So again, I'm just grateful. Hopefully my letter to Goodell could close that gap and he can listen, but it's been six weeks since I wrote that letter. Like, does he know who Junior Gallette is? And does he know how his stance on, you know, equality, equity, and fair treatment affected my life directly? And why don't I have a job? All right, a big thank you to Junior Gallette for joining me in this conversation. And now more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. So this week we're getting into our black excellence in entertainment. And we've got another special guest for us. You know, we love a queen of content. This week we're joined by journalist, writer, and producer, Danielle Young. Thanks for joining, Danielle. Hi, Ebony. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. All right, so this is very cool. Yara Shahidi, along with her mother and business partner, Carrie Shahidi, they've signed an overall deal with ABC Studios. And all projects are going to be developed through the pipeline of their brand new production company, Seventh Son. Danielle, what's your take? I really love when creators, especially young creators, brilliant creators like Yara, get a chance to 
be trusted because that's essentially what these overall deals are about is that these big studios with their big pockets trust your taste trust your talent trust your voice and are giving you this platform and the space to bring forth content that you believe in and yara and carrie they've been obviously partners for life because that's her mom but carrie is such a <laughs> strong, powerful business partner for her in this production company. And they are set on creating content that speaks to our heritage, that speaks to Blackness, mm. that speaks to the things that Yara is is very um, attached to. Because if you've ever heard her speak before, you know, yeah. Yara yeah. for president. Oh. <laughs> Listen, she does not play everything from social justice to global affairs. I mean, absolutely. You're right, Danielle. She's all over it. And uh, listen, I love when you can keep it in the family. Now, we know sometimes, uh, you know, the, the, the mother, daughter, mom, momager role doesn't always work out. But uh, like you said, with Carrie and Yara, they've really uh, mastered what that working relationship looks like as both mother, daughter and certainly as co-creators. So kudos, kudos to them. Okay, we're going to keep the good news going with these overall deals. Devon Franklin and CBS TV Studios have partnered. Now, while Devon has already expanded his work into TV with the CBS family, he already had a first look film deal with Paramount Pictures and a second look deal with Netflix. So Devon's got deals all over the place, right, Danielle? Yeah, he's been quietly doing his thing in TV and film, just producing everything, working with Tyler Perry, with Oprah, with Chrissy Metz from We Love From This Is Us. It's like, is I didn't yes. know that he was behind all of this. And also with his new situation that he has going on, he's about to do the story of the janitor from Frito-Lay who made a $300 million situation happen with the Flamin' Hot mm. brand. I want to see that story. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I, listen, I love yeah. it. Like who, who else is going to tell those kind of stories, but us. Right. And I, that's why I love these overall deals. And really you make a good point, Danielle, it represents this trust factor. And listen, we know uh, Devon is long in this game on the other side of the camera. He's not somebody we often see in front of the camera, um, but it's so important. I think this is like, when I talk to young people, Danielle, I always talk about being in front of the camera is fantastic, but where there is a lot of power as a storyteller is right here as a producer, as a writer, and the creative on the other side of that camera. So extremely happy for this brother and all the work he's doing. Now, the BAFTA TV Awards are less than a couple weeks away, and the British TV Academy is set to honor and present a high award to Idris Elba, actually one of their highest honors, the BAFTA Special Award. Now, Idris is being recognized for his role in championing diversity and new talent in television. Now, who among us does not stand for King Idris Elba, correct? He can do no wrong ever. And to just find out that he knows how to use his platform in ways to help change the climate and change what he sees around him. Because, you know, he's been in this game for a long time, but being able to produce and also add in diversity writers and things like that, where he needs staff to be black. He needs, but not only that, diversity doesn't speak to just blackness. Cause I think that's what a lot of people have mistaken when you hear the word diversity, especially in the entertainment industry, folks want to just mm -hmm. say that it's blackness, but that's not true. It's all forms of diversity. He talks about people who are, dis who are, uh, aren't abled in their bodies. He talks about people who right. don't necessarily get those chances, um, that don't get the chance to go to school or have these mentors or understand that these even positions even exist. So I think mm -hmm. that it's definitely well-deserving and it's great to see yeah. that it's beyond 
just the fact that he's a great actor, it means that he's a great businessman and understands the importance of even the playing field. Yeah, and I'm happy to see this too, Danielle, because sometimes, you know, our black brothers and sisters that are across the pond, so to say, right, from the British um, film and television community, we, we don't necessarily hear them getting the flowers that they deserve and their accolades. So uh, for BAFTA to step up in this way and honor Idris, who, like you said, Danielle, his scope of work, everything from Luther to just all of the work he's done, playing Mandela. I mean, this brother's range is remarkable on top of everything, like you're saying, he's doing behind the camera. So congratulations, Idris Elba. Listen, Danielle, this was so dope. Thank you so much. Absolutely, for helping me out here with this Black Excellence segment this week. I want you to come back, Queen. You have so much to offer, and we appreciate you. We've got more Revolt yeah. Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now I'm here with rapper and mental health advocate, G Herbo. Thank you so much for being with us, G Herbo. I want to start with your album. You, Yeah, you named your latest album PTSD. Clearly, you have intention there. Tell us about the title and when you yourself went ahead and got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. I was inspired to name my album PTSD because I didn't really, you know, understand what it was and, and suffering from um, uh, any type of mental health, you know what I'm saying, disorder in any way. And when you think of PTSD, so many people associated with, uh, you know, going to war and, you know what I'm saying, veterans and stuff like that. But it's really just, you know what I'm saying, reliving any post-traumatic event, any type of event that um, affects your mental 70%, at least 80% of us are suffering from this, and we don't even know. And I was one of those people. And I just wanted right. to, you know, talk about that in, in a way where people could understand me and not more so judge me, you know. Part of the reason you even went to therapy, it wasn't like you randomly were seeking it out. It was recommended to you by your lawyer yeah. when you started really speaking on um, some of the pain and trauma and what led to your situation. Of course, we all know that you had a, a bout uh, dealing with domestic violence last year. You adjudicated that. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about some things you learned? Yeah, since you've been in therapy that have enlightened you as to how maybe you even got involved in the domestic violence situation to begin with. I mm -hmm. come from one of the worst neighborhoods in the, in the city of Chicago, which is one of the worst cities in the country. You know, so um, just me being a product of that, I was in fear of my life being in Chicago. I had to move out of Chicago. And even to just speak on the situation, you know, with uh, with my son and mom that I got into in, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And it was never a situation where, you know, we were trying to hurt each other. But when you're dealing with someone, nine times out of ten is usually the person, like, closest to you. You don't have anyone to really vent to or have anyone to, you know, mm -hmm. when we just endure all of this stuff and we take on this pain, especially as a man, because we feel like, oh, I'm strong. I can just take this on and deal with, you know what I'm saying? But we all human, you know, you may get to a point yeah. where you just aggressively express yourself, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of times I think everyone gets to that point if you don't have some way to, you know, release that stress, whether it's playing sports, talking to a therapy, just something to, you know, get yeah. your mind off of everything that you go through on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, Think, you know, you know I'm, I'm a big advocate of therapy. And one of my, the yeah. things my therapy says, G Herbro, is she, she says, ask yourself this before you say anything. E. Does this need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And does yeah. it need to be said by me right now? And by the yeah. time I think through all that shit, <laughs> I've really calmed down, yeah, you know? Absolutely. So um, that's just a little tool no, that's that a I think point. it'll work. And everybody got their different methods that work for them. You know, I think is you have to go. I think going to therapy will help you learn yourself, you know, learn more about yourself. Oh, my God. 
changed it changed your whole perspective, bro. So you have this fantastic initiative, right? You're um working to give 150 black kids therapy yeah. for 12 weeks, and also they're going to yeah. be um allowed to have access to a therapeutic helpline. Tell me how that came about. So swerving through stress was just really, um, it came from you know me going to therapy and and, and therapy helping me and learning more about it and actually yeah. understanding that. If I had this or had somebody to talk to when I was 14, 15 years old, when I really was you go. trying to find myself, I probably would be in a much better position in life. These kids are going through some shit, man. You know that a lot of mm -hmm. you don't know the kids that you see on a day-to-day -day basis, their mothers are on drugs, their fathers are in jail. Yeah. They don't have you know enough support at home, enough love at home. They don't have the financial stability. Um, they're dealing with, you know what I'm saying, anger, aggression post-traumatic stress they're seeing their friends get murdered they in fear of their life yeah. so now they want to carry a gun and then they carry a right. gun and they go to jail and they get out of jail and it's just a never-ending cycle you know what i'm saying so we got to really get to the root of the problem and try to you know yeah. make a difference where we can make a difference g herbo thank you so much for your valuable vulnerable insight and for the work that you're doing in the community and we're going to speak to an expert in the field to give us a bit more clarity on exactly how therapy can make a difference. Welcome, Dr. Joy. Thank you for having me, Ebony. So, Dr. Joy, this has been this pandemic, all that's going on with the racial reconciliation of our nation, uh, certainly turbulent times, to put, it, to put it mildly. But what's really important here is that we as a Black community are taking care of our mental health and our mental well-being. So the recent headlines, we saw reports last week of Sister Tamar Braxton potentially dealing with a suicide attempt. Uh, reports, um, Amanda Seal spoke on The Breakfast Club about how she's just recently experienced a, a nervous breakdown herself. And then Nick Cannon, right, speaking about his friend's uh, suicide and, and how deeply that impacted him. For everyday Black folks that are seeing our favorite celebs talk about their struggles and their treatment, what can you tell them in terms of how to connect the dots and how they can help themselves if they're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or depressed? Yeah, I think the message there really is that we all have mental health that we need to attend to. We all need to take care of our mental health and there are everyday things that we can be doing to make sure that we are trying to optimize our mental wellness. So things like getting regular physical activity, making sure that we are leaning on our support system. All of these things actually help us. And I think when we see the stories of our celebrities, it helps us to understand that mental health does not only impact people who don't have resources, right? So we see people with an abundance of resources still can experience lots of stress and strain. So it really is something that we all need to be prioritizing. Now, in this moment of COVID, and we are still very much in a pandemic, as we know, we're dealing with a, a global health pandemic. We're dealing with a global uh, moment of race reconciliation and revolution as Black Lives Matter sweeps across not only our country, but the world and so much else that's going on. People are dealing with um, housing crises, eviction notices, loss of jobs, loss of loss of employment, loss of resources is so much, Dr. Joy. Um, just living life in this moment can be overwhelming. What is your advice to people that just feel overwhelmed? 
Yeah, I think even when you listen to you reading off that list, it's very easy to get overwhelmed, right? And so I would encourage people to keep that in mind that we are really living under some very, very stressful times right now. And so it's important to really be gracious with yourself and to know that you are doing the very best that you can. It's also important to be comfortable asking for help right now. So I know a lot of people, especially in the Black community, kind of pride themselves on being the strong friend and being the strong oh, yeah. one. But it is really important I got it, girl. to I'm get good. really comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, you are likely going to need to ask for help if you haven't already. So I'd also encourage people to get really comfortable asking for help. Um, I know anxiety is also at an all-time high right now. And anytime we feel anxious, it's really important to just focus on the things that we can control, right? So if you have lost your job, what what kinds of things are in your control? Can you start searching for another one? Can you use your network to kind of put feelers out for your next position? Like really focus on the things that you have control over so that you don't get overwhelmed by all of the things that we absolutely do not have control over right now. This is fantastic, Dr. Joy. Before I let you go, resources. Again, I know a lot of people um, have questions about therapy. They don't know where to start. They don't know who's in their community. A lot of people want a black therapist for very understandable reasons. We know that cultural connection is important. There's also affordability. How much is a therapist? Is it in my insurance? I don't have any insurance. Do, do, does a therapist take, say, sliding scale payment where, you know, I've had a therapist before that took as little as 30 to $40 a session. So talk a little bit about what websites and resources people can go to, Dr. Joy, if they want more information about therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, of course, we have a very wide directory on our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. Mm-hmm. So it is full of therapists who love doing great clinical work with Black women and girls. So I definitely want to include that. Therapyforblackmen.org. Um, there's right. also a website called the National queer and trans therapists of color network that has a great network of therapists for people. Um, the Beam community is another great website. Open Path Collective, referring to that sliding scale. So openpathcollective.org allows you to search for therapists who do offer those sessions for $30 to $50. Um, so if you are employed and have insurance, then I'd encourage you to look at any employee assistance programs that might be offered as well. I can't thank you enough, Dr. Joy, for this incredible, valuable, and informative conversation. We appreciate you so much. Now, we're going to hear more about some other resources out there, like the BEAM community, as Dr. Joy mentioned, and Heal House. They are about that work, and they're doing it. Let's take a look. Heal House is a wellness studio and holistic cafe based in Brooklyn, New York, and we facilitate daily yoga classes and meditation classes due to the the recent COVID-19 pandemic. We have taken everything online as well. We do have a uh, a week newcomer special for anyone that's new to Heal House where they can take unlimited yoga and meditation classes free for a week. Um, So it gives you a chance to really see all these amazing teachers and practitioners that we have. Thank you to Revolt um, and the team for uh, recognizing the importance of these type of spaces and having conversations around mental health. Hi, everybody. My name is Yolo Akili Robinson. I'm the executive director of BEAM, the Black Emotional Mental Health Collective. And BEAM is a national training, movement building, and grant making institution dedicated to the healing, wellness, and liberation of Black and marginalized communities. We have a peer support space called Heart Space. Sometimes people share, write poems, but we check in and we talk about anxiety, depression, and we give people tools and strategies. Prior to COVID-19, we would have maybe 20, 30 people in those spaces. And now we're having spaces where it's up to 200 people. You can definitely go to our website at www.beam.community and make sure you check out our videos. We have toolkits. 
much gratitude and thanks for um, shining a light on Beam and our work. So as you saw tonight, we gave you a lot of information and a lot of resources to protect your peace and your mental health. We're gonna make those resources available to you. But as we continue to tap into our sacred minds, our insights, it's important that we keep in mind history, memories, and legacy. And there's no greater legacy than that of John Lewis. Y'all, in this particular moment, we really need to give a lot of our energy to preserving, remembering, and protecting the legacy of John Lewis right now. Now listen, we could spend days, weeks, even months really paying homage to what this great man has done. But in this moment, let's do something about it. So y'all remember that historic bridge that John Lewis marched across in Selma, Alabama, so we could have voting rights and civil rights. He was beaten, he was bloody, all that. Well, that bridge was called the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Let me tell you a little bit about Edmund Pettus. He was a slave supporter, even the grand dragon of the Alabama Ku Klux Klan. So I don't need to say much more, right? We need to rename that bridge, y'all. It needs to be called the John Lewis Bridge. Go to johnlewisbridge.com and sign that petition so that we can truly honor and revere the legacy of John Lewis as he deserves. Let's cement his legacy, both literally and figuratively, so that we represent exactly who John Lewis was. He was a bridge, y'all. A bridge for the fight of social justice and change that shows up here today. So the great John Lewis, Mr. Lewis, sir, we love you and we honor you. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.